0: 99.3 WBT, Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. We're going up until 8 o'clock tonight, 704-570-1110 is the telephone number as always. And let me tell you something, last night we could have used a call screen because we had phone lines lit up all night, all night. Wasn't anticipating and I love it when you guys call and it had some really, really great calls last night, so I really appreciate that. And then, guys, make sure you follow me on X for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area at Brett underscore Jensen. So because we took so many phone calls last night and a topic that I honestly thought would last eight minutes wound up lasting 45 minutes. And so what I'm going to do is I want to get into some of the things that we didn't get into last night that I really wanted to and really break down some of the Tepper stuff. And then. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me about the surgery that I had in my elbow, and it is, uh, it's a, it's a work in progress, the elbow right now. So, well, we'll get into all that, but I really want to get into the temper stuff. And then we're going to get into some more news, because some stuff can piggyback off of what I talked about last night. Like I said, it went for 45 minutes about the crime in Charlotte. And we can talk about that, because some more things, like, and I didn't even know this last night. When we were, what, what, 45 minutes on this thing, that, like, nearly a dozen teens were arrested on New Year's Eve for, like, guns and everything else, so, and assaulting officers. So we'll, we'll get into that later on, um, because, it, like I said, it was three-fourths of the show last night, and I thought it would be 25%, and it wound up being 75%, which is totally great. Uh, you know, that you ad-lib, you adjust, and you move on. But I do want to start real quick with the Panthers. And the reason I want to start with the Panthers is this. Because here we are Thursday. The David Tepper threw the drink on the fan on Sunday. Now, according to his statement, which was not an apology. David, make no mistake, David Tepper did not apologize. And i can be honest with you, I actually respect that. If you're not sorry, don't say you're sorry just to try and save face. like Or, or, or the, the famous one. I apologize to anyone I may have offended. Like, pff, whatever. So with that being said, the I told you last night that the Panthers PR staff failed miserably. Failed miserably in Crisis Management 101 on how to handle a statement with David Tepper and address the situation. Failed. Well, how did they fail, Brett? Because they didn't say anything for multiple days. Didn't say anything. And that's a failure. They could have gotten ahead of this. They could have put out their own narrative. The fan was saying things about my wife. The fan was saying things about this or that or whatever. Because he did mention in the the statement, David Tepper, that he should have let uh, stadium security handle the situation instead of him himself. Which leads you to believe that there was something uh, that wasn't exactly right being said or perpetrated by the fan. Now, we don't know. And to be honest with you, I'm a little surprised that no audio or video has come out because we audio and video everything right now. This is who we are as a world. And especially this damn country. But right now, here we are four days into the fact starting from Monday, so I guess five days if you count Sunday. David Tepper is still the topic of national news in terms of the sports world. All the national sports shows from Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen and Pat McAfee, all of them, all of them, are still talking about David Tepper. Wondering how he only managed to get a $300,000 fine. And I... I touched on this briefly last night. And you have to understand like sports was my genre for 20 plus years as a sports writer. So I understand a lot about how this stuff works and behind the scenes and the maneuverings. And I said last night, I said, you know, I said, it's kind of hard to really go after someone that's your boss. David Tepper is Roger Goodell's boss. Plain and simple. And Roger Goodell's making, I don't know, last I checked, he was making 20, 30 million a year, something like that as commissioner, somewhere around in there. So he gave a $300,000 fine, which is, I'm not even joking when I say this, roughly the equivalent of a $50 fine to you and me, if that. Maybe it's more like $20. David Tupper's worth $20 billion. He's gained $4 billion in the last four years since becoming owner of the Panthers. It's pretty strong. I think we'd all take that return, right? So then it comes out today a reporter whose job is to cover the NFL and all the inner workings, who actually works for the NFL and the NFL network. That's who he works for, the NFL network. Albert Breer really good at his job and putting things in perspective. He was asked by Dan Patrick, do you think that David Tepper and Roger Goodell, the commissioner, negotiated the deal? And Albert Breer basically said in no uncertain terms, yes. If anyone's going to know, it's going to be Albert, somebody who actually works for the NFL in the world of broadcasting. So earlier today, I was on WFNZ with Jeff Rickard. And they were wanting to talk to me and get my perspective about this. And they asked me what I thought about David Tepper. And I said, there is one silver lining, only one, and it's a scant silver lining. It's not a bright, shining silver lining. It's a scant, scant one, a faded silver lining. David Tepper proved and showed that he truly, truly wants to win. Truly wants to win. Now, so does Jerry Jones, and that's been a disaster for 25 years down in the Dallas Cowboys. Haven't reached the NFC Championship game in, what, 25, 26 years, something like that? So that's been a walking disaster. Nobody wants to win more than Jerry Jones. George Steinbrenner, is who I always compare David Tepper to. When people say Daniel Snyder, that could not be further from the truth. Daniel Snyder was a horrible person off the field, involved in all kinds of sexual allegations, and it was just sexual harassment allegations and all kinds of stuff, and was deemed to be one of the worst owners in the NFL, and not a single owner liked Daniel Snyder. Nobody liked him. So... The comparison to Daniel Snyder, the former owner of the Redskins slash football team slash commanders, that's a horrible comparison. It's a, it's a George Steinbrenner comparison. That you're willing to spend any amount of money that you can in order to win. Whether well, it's the best coaches, players, scouts, whatever. George Steinbrenner had a hair trigger of emotions. It didn't take much. For him to make a move. He reacted emotionally. Everything was emotionally based with George Steinbrenner. But Brett, he won. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yeah, he won in 77 and 78. I get that. And went to the World Series in 76, lost to the Reds. But from 1980 to 98, they were awful. 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 And they spent the most money every single year in Major League Baseball, and they were usually coming in middle of the pack or last in their own division. People hated George Steinbrenner. Yankee fans hated George Steinbrenner. Yes, they won four in a row, and then they won another one, and he became beloved. They loved George Steinbrenner. You know why they loved George Steinbrenner? Because he finally took a back seat. I mean, we're talking about a man who hired a private investigator against uh, some, one of his players, Dave Winfield, and even got suspended by the commissioner, GMI, not the person after, Faye Vincent. Faye Vincent was fired, or excuse me, suspended him. And I remember interviewing the commissioner of baseball at the time about that. So he finally had to take a step back. I think he was suspended for about a year. Had to take a step back, wasn't allowed to be involved. And from that moment on, the ship started running smoothly for the Yankees. He quit trading away the farm system. He finally took the hands-off approach and let the general manager, Brian Cashman, do whatever it is he wanted to do, and Gene Michael prior to that. So that's, Dave, that's who I think of David Tepper. Emotional, can't control his emotions is too meddlesome, way too involved, just like Jerry Jones. And we see, yeah, you can get away with a lot of the things when you're the most popular teams or one of the most popular teams in the entire world. I think they say Chelsea is number one in the English Premier Football League. Chelsea is number one. I think Dallas and the Yankees are like two and three right in that area. Used to be Manchester United, but it's Chelsea, Yankees, Dallas, I think in that order. Of most popular world teams. So you can get away with that. You can build Jerry World. But David Tepper is too emotional. And we've seen that. We saw that this past weekend. We saw that with his uh, third soccer coach in three years. And we've seen the fact that he's fired all three of his head coaches in the middle of the season. So this is who David Tepper is. And until he learns, okay, I can't be hands on. I can't. I, ha- I can't be the deciding factor. Let football people make their football decisions. It's easy for me to say because I got to be honest with you. If I had that kind of money and I own the Carolina Panthers, I would, I don't doubt that I would want to be as hands on as much as possible without trying to ruin it. Because, you know, you're so passionate about what it is that you're doing. So we'll see what happens going forward, but they also called Albert Breer, the reporter from the NFL Network, called the Carolina Panthers job the worst job in the NFL. Called it that right now. He caught it that today. He said, you don't know what you're going to get with your owner. You got a quarterback nobody knows about, a horrible offensive line, and no playmakers. Hey, where do I sign up? So we'll see what happens, but that, I just wanted to give you – a little perspective on that situation with David Tepper. Was $300,000 enough? Not even close. If players would have done this, the fine would have been even more and probably suspended a game, which means they lose a game paycheck. David Tepper didn't lose a game paycheck. He didn't lose one-seventeenth of his salary of the money he's going to make. And they also said they probably negotiated the fact that he wasn't suspended the game where he could actually attend the last game of the year. All right, so when we come back, let's get into a few other things. Like I said, I got some stuff that I want to talk about as a continuation from last night where we talked 45 minutes about the crime in the city and everything going on here. And we're we'll going to a few other things. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Just a few more minutes here. Just actually, just a couple of minutes uh, because we went so long last break. And I am going to get into the surgery thing um, because, like, I there were a lot of things that I did not realize that have transpired over the last twenty-four hours. Well, I should say thirty-six hours involving my surgery that I had on last week, Wednesday, December twenty-seventh, where they had to. Sew my tendon in my elbow on the inside part of my elbow. Like, on you got the outside elbow, you got the inside elbow. On the inside, they had to sew my tendon together and reattach it. That's always fun. And I thought they were doing all this orthoscopically. Uh, no. I saw the scar yesterday for the first time. It's a good two and a half, three inch scar. Three inches. It's like, oh, all right. No wonder my arm hurts so much. And then they told me yesterday, which I did not know this was coming because no one had ever mentioned it. I mean, I've had knee surgeries multiple times uh, uh, and uh, all these sports injuries and also with my ankles and everything else. And they always give you home exercises. Apparently, home exercises aren't going to be enough. And they said, where do you want to go to rehab? I said, I'm sorry, what? They said, oh, you're going to have to go to physical therapy twice a week for at least a month and a half. They said recovery times, 10 weeks, slow recovery times, 12 weeks, but 10 weeks. And they said that the, the, as of right now, the most weight that I can put in my right arm or in my right hand is the cup of coffee. I was like, dude, I violated that rule like on day two when my arm was still in the cast and attached to my torso. So that was actually kind of funny. That uh, It's a good thing I had last week off because with my forearm, or excuse me, my arm attached to my torso, basically, and my palm over my belly button and your arm sitting at a 90 degree angle, I wasn't allowed to get anything north of the belly button wet. Nothing. And they said, you can use a washcloth and a sponge on your leg sitting in a bathtub, but that's it. And let me tell you something. there's After a week, because you can't shave left-handed, try shaving with a razor left-handed. That does not go well. So I had to, I, I didn't do that. And then the other thing, uh, there's only so much that cologne and deodorant can cover up. There's just only so much. So last night, or yesterday afternoon, I should say, I was able to take my first shower in about a week, and I was able to uh, shave, finally. Had to get, like, hedge clippers to do it, but, yeah, finally did that. So it was good, but there were some things going on with the surgery that I knew nothing about, had never heard about that. And it was sort of like an epidural, if you will, but I think it was way worse than an epidural. But when we come back, we'll talk about some things going on in the city of Charlotte And just some more things we'll pull on to what we talked about last night with the crime in the local area. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. We are going up until 8 o'clock tonight, per usual, 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Real quick, before we get into some, uh, some news and stuff, real quick, a follow-up on the, on the surgery that I had in my arm. I, uh, I had never heard of a thing called a nerve blocker. I'd never heard of that. And they shot it into my shoulder while I was asleep. And it made my complete right arm from the shoulder down to the fingertips dead dead where you can't feel it like I'm not joking when I say you could have chopped a finger off and I probably wouldn't have felt it in all sincerity it's like novocaine at a dentist like it was completely dead couldn't move it couldn't feel it and they all kept saying oh you're going to you're going to want this you want this pain blocker or nerve blocker so you don't feel anything no no I yesterday I told everyone that would listen at the doctor's office never give me that ever again Because here's why. They give you pain medicine to help combat the pain. When your arm is numb, how many people out there, how many of you have ever had a foot that's asleep or a hand that's asleep? And you try and walk on it and it's all tingly and you can't feel it and you don't know if your hand or foot's ever going to work again. And then about 30 seconds later, 20 seconds later, it does. But you feel all those tiny little needles and tingly feeling in your hand or your foot, right? Now do that, have that feeling for 28 hours. 28 hours. You would think the day that I had my surgery, because my surgery was at 11 o'clock in the morning. That's when it actually took place, like 11.15. And the procedure itself took like 30 minutes. And I was home by 1.30. Okay? 1.30, o'clock. one thirty. Full of anesthesia. Barely remember anything about that day other than the fact that I couldn't stop eating. I don't know why, but I was just, I was, could not stop eating. And that whole day is foggy. But they kept saying, oh, Brett, you're going to want this pain blocker because otherwise your arm would really hurt. That's called pain medicine. There is nothing you can do for a tingly hand and fingers when your entire arm is completely dead. You can't move a finger. You can't bend it. You have no control over your nerves. Zero. None. So the night, the day that I had my surgery, you'd think that I'd be able to go to sleep and all that, right? No. You know what time I got to sleep? 5.30 in the morning because of my hand. It would not stop. Didn't feel the incision in my arm that was three inches long. But the tingling in the hand would not stop. Got to sleep at 5.30. It woke me up at 8 o'clock. My first night after surgery, I got two and a half hours of sleep. That reminds me a lot of uh, whenever I complained to my dad about, oh, my arm hurts. Oh, my leg hurts. I'll hit you upside the head. Your arm won't hurt while you're thinking about that. Sounds kind of one of those situations. Yeah, I I told him, I said, I I never want that again. I said, if I ever have surgery again, because it was the Hornets team doctor, and it was the anesthesiologist who gives you the nerve blocker. And they said, once you can start barely moving your fingers, just barely moving them, which took about almost exactly 24 hours, they said, immediately take your pain medicine. Because you're not taking pain medicine beforehand, because your arm's dead. You can't feel anything. They said, immediately take your pain medicine. And I said, why? Because they called me the next morning. And they said, because you're getting ready to fill your arm in all its glory. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'll take the pain medicine. Because if I had taken the pain medicine when they told me to, because they called me, by the time my arm got being un-numb, I would have it would have been time for more pain medicine. And what was the pain medicine? Oxycodone. So didn't do it. They said... Ibuprofen for the swelling, extra strength tylenol for the pain, and then on top of oxycodone. And you can take that, take your ibuprofen let's say at twelve o'clock, and then you take your tylenol at three o'clock, then your ibuprofen at six o'clock, then you then your uh, tylenol again at nine o'clock. So every three hours you're rotating. On top of your oxycodone, which you're taking as they say, quote unquote, as needed. The only thing that really bothered me, yeah, i mean it it was painful, like certain sometimes um sleeping was difficult because your arm is in a brace and it's attached to your body, so when you roll over, you feel it without the 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 dead nerve, the dead arm, but the throbbing was really the only thing that would bother me and then if like if it started throbbing and it wouldn't go away, then I'd take like a a small pill or a half a pill of oxycodone just to like try and get the throbbing to stop other than that but i yeah i told him all yesterday so i never want that nerve blocker ever again that was worse than pain just because your arm is tingling and your fingers are tingling like it's all needles and that sucked i me tell you that sucked that was worse than the pain and the surgery I'm like oh you, know, you 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 and then at the, when the woman called me the next day she actually said you're gonna wish your when you she goes when that pain she goes when that nerve blocker wears off you're gonna wish your arm was numb again no no I didn't even come close to feeling that no no I'm I'm good with the they give you pain medicine there is no medicine for a dead tingly arm and your fingers which are on fire like your foot's asleep or your hands asleep but. We did it. Everything looks good. Apparently, like I said, apparently I didn't know. I thought I, I truly didn't know until yesterday. I had no idea. I thought I had like holes in my arm the size of pencils, like in diameter, where they went in orthoscopically. Nope. No, I got a big slice down my elbow now. So, um, and no, um, I won't be pitching for the Yankees anytime soon with my repaired arm, unfortunately. So, it's a, that's a problem in and of itself. But all I cared about, honestly, all I cared about was that I can hit the links, play golf, by the time Masters rolls around. That's all I care about. When spring hits, Easter weekend, that's all I care about. And they said, oh, no, 10 weeks. I was like, okay, well, that's mid-March. Okay. And even if it's slow, that's end of March. So hopefully by Easter, Masters weekend, I'll be able to play golf Hopefully. Hopefully. If I don't do anything stupid and, like, put too much stress or pressure on my tendon, which apparently I've already been doing and didn't know it. Brett, you can hold a cup of coffee in your hand and nothing else. Yeah, we we have violated that a lot. So, but anyway, so that was the surgery. Um, You guys remember what I was talking about it this summer and how painful it was and uh, how I used every four-letter word on the planet when I was playing golf with Jim zoki at a uh, charity golf tournament of all places when I just felt my arm snap in the middle of a golf swing so but hopefully we're fixed not 25 anymore so we'll see what happens but hopefully everything will go well all right let me come back let me jump on that went longer than i thought but I really wanted to talk about that because I'd never heard of a nerve blocker. I'd never heard of it. I guess it's like an epidural, but I know nothing about childbirth. So when a woman is given an epidural, I have no idea how long it lasts. I don't know if it's a 24 hour thing, a 12 hour thing, an eight hour thing. I I don't know. I don't know how long those things last. But if it's any feeling like I had my arm, no, thank you. Welcome back to the final segment here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. We are going until 8 o'clock. All right, 704 570 1110 as always. Um, guys, there's. Uh, I want to talk about this last night. Last night, you know, I did an opening monologue about how. You know, of all the shootings that went took place New Year's Eve and juveniles and guns and five people shot and how in the course of 2023, about 10 people were shot in and around Ramir Bearden Park. Which I still, I will say this every time, I find it humorous that we named a park after someone who lived his first three months of his life in Charlotte and never came back. Ramir Bearden was born in Charlotte and then at three months old left Charlotte and never came back. I find that hysterical. But hey, let's send a park after them. All right. But anyways, the uh, they came out, CMPD put out an email. And I and I should have read this last night and I didn't. But I said last night, anyone who's surprised that all those all that crime took place New Year's Eve, uptown, anyone who's surprised either has their head in the sand or knows nothing about Charlotte. Period. And that includes all the media. Who act shocked? Oh my gosh! There were five people shocked. I'm more shocked if it didn't happen. And like I said, we are the city that in 2020, on a Juneteenth party on Beatty's Ford Road, someone had an actual Uzi and fired 150 rounds into a street party. No arrests have been made. An actual? Do you know how long it's been since anyone had an Uzi? I think Bill Clinton outlawed the damn things in the 90s. So anyways, we got this. We got this. This is the headline of the email from CMPD that I should have read last night. Three officers injured, 18 arrests and or citations due to disruptions Uptown on New Year's Eve. Reason 8,947 why Uptown is dying and why I don't go Uptown. For anything. Unless it's to a Knights game or a Panthers game or we're going to the Spectrum Center. Anything outside of those three things? No thank you. And it says, Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department is sharing an update after action report following the New Year's Eve celebrations in Uptown Charlotte. On Sunday, thousands of individuals, I I think the estimate is around 10,000, individuals uh, rang in the New Year's in Uptown Charlotte at a city-sanctioned event. CMPD provided support for the event, and more than 80 officers patrolling that area and surrounding areas. Then, shortly after 11:30 p.m., officers who were patrolling Romere Bearden Park heard gunfire and rushed to the direction of the gunfire. Preliminary information indicates that there were, that the suspect was at Ramirez Barron Park and in possession of a firearm when he discharged multiple rounds and uh, resulting in five victims sustaining non-life-threatening injuries. All victims were shot below the knee. Using video technology, detectives were able to quickly provide officers on the scene with a description of the suspect, The suspect was taken into custody and transported to CMPD Central Division to be interviewed by detectives. He's now been given, I think, a $1.5 million bond. And he's 18 years old. And his mom's like, But he's a saint. Okay. Thanks. He's been charged with five counts of assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill and one count of going armed to terror, to the terror of the public. I've never heard of that charge. One count, let me read that again. One count of going armed to the terror of the public. Interesting. Throughout the night, officers responded to multiple disturbances resulting in the arrest of 11 juveniles. You notice how they didn't say adults there? Not people in the 30s or 40s. Again, reason 9,475 why people don't want to go uptown. Throughout the night, officers responded to multiple disturbances, resulting in the arrest of eleven juveniles for their actions in the uptown area. Subsequently, six parent, uh, six parent guardians of the arrested juveniles were cited and charged with contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Two firearms were seized by officers. Said so juveniles, juveniles. Okay. And the one that pulled the trigger and hit five people in the leg, 18. All right. Charges in the arrested for the arrested individuals include assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill, going armed to the terror of the public, assault on a government official, carrying a concealed weapon, resulting uh, resisting a public officer and possession of a handgun by a minor. A 15-year-old male who was involved in the disturbances was charged with possession of a handgun by a minor, no operator's license, and resisting, public, resisting a public officer. He was driving a car illegally, 15 years old. And he's now been placed in an ankle monitor. Okay. Uh, the juvenile suspect... Has a lengthy criminal history, including multiple auto thefts, resisting a public officer, lost any from an auto, breaking and entering, and assault with a deadly weapon. He's 15. He's 15. Unless something extremely dramatic happens, he's done for life. Because every time he gets out of jail, he's going to continue the pattern. He's been doing this, and he's 15, and has a lengthy criminal record. He's done. He's going to be a burden on society Most likely until the day he dies. And at this rate, it probably will be sooner rather than later. Two CMPD officers were assaulted and suffered minor injuries. Additionally, one CMPD officer suffered minor injuries when an unknown chemical substance was thrown at the officer. So, this is Charlotte. This is Charlotte. There's no going back. It's still new in its infancy of all these horrible things happening in Charlotte. It's been going on since January of 2019. Like there's an actual specific date. And from that point forward, Charlotte has been in a free fall. You had a city council led by Braxton Winston actually want to defund the police. Actually defund the police. Larkin Eggleston, a Democrat at the time, basically talked them out of it. This is Charlotte. And what I said last night is, if you have officials that want to govern like they do in Baltimore, New York, Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis, Memphis, Austin, Texas, San Francisco, L.A., San Diego, Portland, Seattle. If you have people who want to govern like those cities, you're going to end up with those cities. And what do all those cities have in common? High, high crime and rapidly turning into rat holes. And that's what's going to happen here. If they do not correct this quickly, and I mean city council, mayor, city manager, and CMPD, and the district attorney, and the judges. Otherwise, you want to live in Baltimore? Congratulations, because that's what Charlotte's turning into. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.